Welcome back to Hot Local Singles. Welcome back. You thought we were gone, didn't you? You thought we were dead. <laughs> I did, yeah. I, Josh, <laughs> thought we were gone. My brain was dead for a bit, and I think yours was too a bit, right? Yeah, it was. If I may say so, without being rude. Maybe we'll get into that, but um, yeah. for now, hi, Juan. Hi, Joshy. Hi, Josh. <laughs> well, it's Hot Local Singles. Welcome back to my screen. Yeah, it's been so long. <laughs> so this is a pop music podcast. Mm-hmm. We're back. Today we're talking stans, instanity. Stan culture and its discontents. Yeah. Mostly this discontent. We've all had so much time to be online in the past little while. And I think mm-hmm. that really shows in um, how stans have been acting. Yeah, honestly. Maybe that's why they're acting a bit deranged, which we'll talk about later, but it probably has to do with isolation. It must, right? The most, yeah. It's worth mentioning that we've had like so much music come out in the past few months. I know. Well, it's been so long. It's been so since long. Since we last recorded. We didn't even, Chromatica came out. Yep. Like after we recorded last. Mm-hmm. It's been that long. Our last episode was April. Yeah. I don't even think, I don't even think Claws had fully come out last time we talked. No, yeah, yeah. I think we will talk about all those albums in another episode. Yeah, But this one, we're going in on stands. So speaking of rating, you'll notice that we will not be doing our famous, world-famous <laughs> binary rating any longer, or at least not for all of our episodes. Yeah. Because we decided that we were over listening to Demi Lovato and Sam Smith kind of music, uh-huh. just to <laughs> rate it local every week. Exactly. Uh, it wasn't good for our brains. I, can, I, could feel, I could feel the warmth in my brain moving every time I listen <laughs> to that bullshit. <laughs> So the podcast had to move beyond that. It had to grow. Yeah, it um, had to expand. Yeah. It had to. It did have to grow because, as you mentioned, Chromatica came out on May 29th, I believe, the weekend of when Black Lives Matters yeah. protests really kicked off. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like a a few things happened at once that made us kind of want to stop giving platforms to these shitty songs. <laughs> yeah but now we're back and we changed the format a bit we're going to talk about stan culture today mm-hmm. and m- mostly because we're a bit annoyed at stans yes we're looking at you directly mm-hmm. yes you listener yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> we're calling you out on this episode and we're recording on july 29th 2020 a day in which stans are attacking my favorite mm-hmm. lana del rey mm-hmm. for being a bit Let's just say fat. It's, I mean, there's no other, way, no other word for it. She is a bit fat. <laughs> Her body type has changed. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's a really nice way to say it. Anyway. She seems happy in Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Not to be like a crazy stan, but <laughs> it worries me that it's Oklahoma because it means she must be back with her cop boyfriend because that's where mm, he lives. That <laughs> is what that means. Yeah. And her new hairstylist friends. Stands are being terrible. I mean, yeah, stands are being like at the same time. I don't want anybody negativity in this in this chat, and then of course, like that <laughs> welcomes it. You know, like it's all just so stupid yeah, to begin yeah. with. There's really no yeah. winning. It is Twitter.com. It is Twitter.com, and like people just want digs. And I feel like this could be a good just segue to start talking about our main topic. And mm. I feel like in stand Twitter, there's some people that you are allowed to drag in whatever way you want. Essentially. 
like people who have been canceled. And obviously in between all of this, Lana got canceled. We forgot to mention that. I mean, mm-hmm. so many people got canceled since we last recorded. Mm-hmm. And one of them was the Jacquard, another one was Lana. And I feel like once you get like the C word attached to you, it's like fair game. People are going to say anything they want about you. Mm-hmm. And this is what, that's what's happening with Lana. Like all those fucking memes that are like Lana wearing like Trump hats and shit. And it's like, it's kind of funny, I guess, but it just shows how like shallow the discourse is right? about stars nowadays. There's like no nuance in discussing anyone's like achievements, music or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just like what sort of reputation they've built oh my god taylor swift's impact yeah like whatever reputation they built over whatever like political statement they made or whatever mishap they did mm-hmm. um and then that's it and it's over for you if you fucked it up it's over so yeah one of the first times we i mean juan and i have been talking about this for months now and it was just sort of a matter of something had to happen for us to really have good examples and obviously taylor is the perennial like cancel culture, stand toxicity topic. Yeah. Um, no matter what she does, there's something. Mm-hmm. And a few months ago, there was a Vulture essay titled Stand Culture is Do a Reckoning. So are the celebrities they worship. So I figure we can start off this conversation yeah. with that essay because it kind of like got in right when, as you said, Doja Cat was getting canceled for the old comments and stuff like that and the Lana stuff. Yep. It was actually early enough that it was about when Lana was annoyed by the NPR review of her album. Yeah, but that was like 2019. It was like a bit of a throwback even. It was. It was. Yeah, you're right. Because yeah. um, it was from the beginning of the year to begin with. Um, but I think because he was using Lana and Doja, he, mm-hmm. he's a writer? I don't know. He like, Craig, went back to that example. Yeah. Craig Jenkins, Craig, yeah. yeah. So he was talking about how stands praise their faves online like 24-7 to like insane like legendary degrees like deity deities like deities yeah what's deity deity like gods <laughs> and you were saying the letter d and the letter d once more like dd <laughs> so like they have stands yes, praising like them non-stop but then once they make a mistake like they flip they switch i right? know exactly yeah, yeah especially like Especially if it has to do with any sort of like political, specifically like racial mistakes, mm-hmm. then that they just switch like faggots. Yeah. So Craig of Vulture fame was saying, for celebrities, social media is one part echo chamber where fans flatter them year round and one part firing squad when they screw up. Um, and then about like Lizzo and Lana kind of mm-hmm. canceling their own reviewers in tweets, um, he said... Mm-hmm. What they wanted, it seemed, was worship. Yeah, it's sort of how, like, if you're if you're an artist right now, all the feedback you'll get is, like, positive. Or, like, more than just getting positive feedback, it's all going to be framed in terms of, like, literally you're, like, our mom. Like, what are the tropes of stand? People don't say mom anymore, but they used to, like, mm-hmm. mom, queen. Mm-hmm. It's all, like, these, like, essentially, like, yeah, on, like, qualified adjectives to describe these people, where it's, like, you immediately are just, like, flawless yeah and i guess like his argument is that lana and doja were like a bit too influenced by that and then like Hmm. were a bit shocked when they got a bit of backlash they were like blinded a bit by i don't know just being famous in 2020 i guess yeah yeah and then you have celebrities that don't have that kind of twitter access and i mean they lose their fans altogether like this is a perfect example for when the Sky Ferreira updates account yeah. like became sentient earlier this year. 
um, and was like, there's no updates. Like, I can't do this anymore. It's been like seven years. There's no album. (laughs) And there was something in Paper Magazine about that too, saying that Standom dies without like invasive access to the celebrity in question. And the like boss or like the once teen owner of the Sky Forever Updates Twitter account said, was it a teen? It was a teen. He said, or they said, when I set up this account at 17 years old, never did I think at 21 years old I'd still have no Sky Freer album to update. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting harder and harder to continue with this account. There hasn't been any content to update for months now. It's sad. But Sky's private, sad. so yeah. you can't blame her for that. <laughs> Just the the baseline of celebrity is like so intense. Yeah. It's really sad. I feel like, I mean, there's such a cliche of describing artists and musicians as gods, but it really feels like that. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, you just choose, like, it's like not even like a, not even like a Christian god, like an ancient Greek god. So you choose, like, your favorite three deities. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I want to go with Aphrodite, <laughs> yeah. Hera, and Ares, or something, oh, or however yeah. <laughs> and then those are going to be, like, my, my gods. I don't know. My god. I feel like this. The, the this kid's example is pretty tragic, especially if you're like standing Sky Ferreira. <laughs> because like first of all, you shouldn't stand someone who has one album out. Like I like Sky, Sky Ferreira, and I've been very vocal about how I enjoy her album, but devoting your like identity to liking this one artist who has one album is just like setting yourself yourself up, up for failure. Like <laughs> she's not even like a great musician, right. you know? So it's like yeah. But I can't blame him because I feel like I feel like maybe this is like the the take that is going to rule all of my takes, but it's like, I feel like culture is so boring nowadays Mm. that like all you can do is like latch onto like a specific person and like go crazy. Maybe not that it's boring, but that it's so like overwhelming. Yeah. Do you think? It is true. There's a bit too many artists out there. So maybe once you find one, you're like, okay, this is all I need. Well, like politics too, though. Like maybe people are like latching onto their celebrity faves. Not even celebrities. Like I feel like celebrities are going through a like a dip at the moment. But like musicians, yeah, totally. like the BTS fans of the world are having like the seemingly the most fun of their lives. Mm-hmm. Like getting involved in <laughs> politics, even right. Yeah. Like the other month when they like sabotaged a few like snitching apps or whatever, like local yeah. like police police apps, yeah, radios, yeah. Okay, but my my take on that article was I, I get where he's coming from, but I feel like stand culture hasn't really affected artists as much as it has affected like people, in the sense mm-hmm. that like artists had always had like crazy fans. Like if you think about, the, I mean, he touches on that. He's like, even in the seventies, like the crazy anti-disco people, mm-hmm. or when you think about the Beatles, it was always like the image of like literally screaming teens. So I feel like in a way celebrity has always been like that sort of by definition like it's always like you just adore someone you don't have any critical regard for that person's like that's what makes the difference between a celebrity and an artist is like a celebrity you're just someone that you just like blindly adore and an artist Mm -hmm. someone whose output you appreciate maybe Mm -hmm. but i do think what's weird about stan culture but that makes it worth discussing in this podcast is how it now has affected Stan culture has made it now that we all communicate in the same language of stance, mm. sort of. I mean, we're talking about stan culture like it's this inherent thing that everyone understands. But I know, yeah. it's like only for girls and gays. Would you say that's right? Yeah, essentially. So, and Zoomers. Z- like mostly yeah. gay Zoomers and girl Zoomers. It's not even like yeah. your average 
40-year-old gay man. Although, although some of the worst toxic <laughs> gay, like, gay stands are a bit old, but they're the exception. Like balloon slogan gays? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I wonder who pretty good Phil stands. Oh my God, the way you know his, his name <laughs> is just a lot. Well, I'm JoshCore1 on Twitter, if anyone wants to follow. Did you change? And Juan is vitamin intake, right? Still? Yeah. Yes, though. I'm not going to change anytime soon. But yeah, okay, so there is this one account that kind of stan culture revolves around, in a way, I would say, and it's chart data. Right. So chart data kind of like beat Billboard at its own game, right? Like, it updates really, truly random records and like chart data itself kind of in the way of the sky ferrera account is kind of becoming more sentient now too all of their tweets are really like fact-based but they did have this interview with complex that i'm now going to quote from the tweets themselves are simple and formulaic one recent tweet reads today in 2002 avril lavigne's complicated reached number one on the pop songs airplay chart And then the article continues, the relatively dry messages still elicit emotional responses from fans. Under every chart data tweet is a barrage of GIFs, memes, and replies like, we stan. If you, <laughs> if you scroll far enough, you'll invariably see someone type BTS outsold. <laughs> so in this weird way, like chart data replaced Billboard as like the arbit- arbitrator of kind of music facts and news like even the phrase facts and news has become kind of a meme on its own because like stands revolve around these statistics to prove to i guess other people that what they're interested in is is important i think that's what it is yeah that's why fights start too i feel like also um it's funny that chart data doesn't even use any of its own like it just recycles data Mm -hmm. Right, it is beating Billboard at its own game, but Billboard is the one that is like keeping the data. Yeah, and then chart data. I mean, I'm sure Billboard has more le- relevance, obviously, but I feel like in the Stan universe, chart data is like the authority. I mean, they post stuff faster. That's what the article says too. Like, they literally beat Billboard at announcing records and stuff. But then again, the, the records are like top Latina woman to have. 36 consecutive yeah. like weeks on yeah, like yeah. the pop dance. <laughs> Latin chart, like, like it's always like the bubbling under under Latin chart. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, like position like one on bubbling under. Like it's yeah. always so irrelevant, but it's those like small victories that really matter for that like spark the fire for like fans to fight with each other. Basically, it's so funny because like I always joke, or like I used to joke, like Stans used to be like, yeah, Demi Lovato is the only like ex Disney star who's charted third above 35 in like, Lithuania, you know, like, that's always the kind of life they do. Yeah. But it's really funny. Like the turn now has been like Nikki keeps breaking all these like embarrassing records of the biggest drops in uh. on the charts. So like I forget what it was. It must have been her last single was her last single. Anyways, it was like debuted at number 20 and then like the next week it was like number 98. Yeah. And it broke a record for like the biggest drop. Yeah. But chart data like I don't even if not the most important it's like the historical precedent for how people started talking about stand culture online so that's i feel like because of chart data people became obsessed with like numbers essentially numbers. right yeah i mean i'm not that old so i don't know how people talked about pop stars back in the day but nowadays it's just numbers it you is. know it's just like especially the swifties are especially guilty of this because she's so good at numbers hmm. 
until you see like a fan cam of Taylor Swift and it's like just charts and charts. Like it's a fucking mm-hmm. corporate presentation. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. 100%. It's just, it's just like reinforces the like branding of pop stars and like takes away from whatever artistic merit they might have. And it, I, that thing, that's why it's really, what's really annoying. Like the most egregious example of that was like a video like that comparing Beyonce to Lana Del Rey. <laughs> <laughs> similar artists so i get it yeah. yeah so like the numbers were like insane i was like okay mm. at some point this has to stop right it does have to stop but then like numbers were created by like the digitization of music like itunes has always had charts spotify right. has always had charts spotify has also always let you see how many streams an individual song has so like the data has been given to the people for a while now so it makes sense that there'd be like a second party I mean, third party, like announcing this data. And of course, the trends, you can like bend them to be, to mean whatever you want and to like illustrate whatever you want, right? Comparing artists, like you said, because like Like a chart that no one's ever heard of. It is a binary. Like it's either like legends and flops. Like, (laughs) like there's not really any middle ground for discussion. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then once an artist gets like a reputation for being a flop. That's it. Like Camila Martinez. Camila Martinez. Melanie Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> I never said Camila. Okay. I heard what I wanted to hear. <laughs> Jeez. Even Camila Cabello, I think it's it's one a good example of like when someone gets canceled, it's like it's over for you. I mean, I'm sure she'll be fine, but the point of all of this and trade data specifically is like how pissed the two of us are. Specifically, mm. it's personally are like the way that music gets discussed by, like, I'm not something else, also teenagers, right? Mm. But I feel like it is crossing over into a lot of, like, culture, as we saw with the Taylor Swift review. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Taylor Swift. Let's talk about Taylor Swift. This is all about Taylor Swift. One of, my, one of our favorite episodes was about the last Taylor Swift cultural moment. When was that? A long time ago. And by the way, we've had this podcast for over a year now. Oh, yeah. And we didn't celebrate it. I was looking it. at, like... I know. I was I was looking at that. I was trying to find when we were going to celebrate. It's like, oh, it's been it's been like a month since our anniversary. It was June 9th. Mm-hmm. That was our first episode. She's had a new album since then. Believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. So it was a lover last year, and this year it's folklore, kind of doubling down on her autumnal pumpkin spice vibes. Yeah, on her like I'm not like other pop stars vibe. No. Yeah. It's like in a way not pop at all. Someone was saying it's like yeah. post-poptimism completely. So, yeah, I guess what happened was she released an album that isn't very poppy at all. It's like kind of her classical singer-songwriter style. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I am floored by the reaction. People, people fucking love it. People love it. I like it. People I thought had more edge fucking love it. It's like, it seems unanimous. Everyone's secretly a Swifty. Yeah, people are Swifties. I feel like people are secretly Swifties. And also especially because she was cancelled for like I wanna say twenty seventeen till twenty eighteen. Like reputation. Or whatever, whenever Yeah, whenever she wouldn't comment on the election. Right. So now that it's okay to stand her again, people are like going all out. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. But the reaction has been really funny. I don't get it. So anyway, needless to say it's been reviewed very highly, even very well. And then this Pitchfork review comes around, which kind of everyone is waiting for, for any kind of big album. I would say even mm. indie music still. 
like if anything, pop stands waiting for the pitchfork review is of the indie era. Like it's sort of yeah, it's exactly. like historical in a way. Like they're the gatekeepers of the kind of final score of something, and that's why people get so upset about the scores. Again, numbers. It's all about numbers. It is again. Yeah, you're right. It is about numbers. So folklore got an eight point zero. And then another number, the Metascore on Metacritic went from 94 to 89 because I guess Pitchfork is so heavily weighted. And I think that's what really angered the stance. It wasn't really the score on Pitchfork, it was the fact that it fucked up the Metacritic score. Because it was a positive review, like full stop. Mm -hmm. The reviewer, Mm -hmm. whose name is Jillian Mapes, she, she really liked it. And anyway, this one stand in particular named Robin, whose account I couldn't find. <laughs> um, this happened a few days ago, and I think she got banned. Yeah. But she fully doxed this this poor Pitchfork reviewer. Um, phone number, email. It's probably like underpaid Pitchfork reviewer. Yeah, like home address, everything. Like really intense. And it was because the Metacritic went down five points. That's why she got doxed for a positive review. And it's because, like, once the Metacritic number goes down, it's going to fuck up whatever fan cams are making where they were <laughs> going to, they were about to say, like, they were ready to, like, make a fan cam being, like, the highest critically acclaimed album of 2020. And this fucks it up for that, you know? They have to go back into Premiere and, like, edit that text field. Yeah, <laughs> second best. I can't with fan cams, by the way. That's another part of why stands are so annoying. It's usually K pop fans that are, like, replying to every chart data tweet, every billboard tweet, every, like, any news article tweet with like the facts about their faves, you know, it is know, it is yeah. all numbers, even when it's not supposed to be. Even I when think it's it irrelevant. used to be funny, but they like took it too far, or like somehow just the culture group has the need for that. You know, we don't need yeah stand cams all over the place, but they haven't really grown over that, and that's a lot of like stand. Now I'm just dragging these poor teens, but a lot of like stand culture is just so adolescent and so fucking childish. But they must like be seeing results, you know, like all these. Fan cams are getting high views and like maybe people are clicking the links to Spotify. So like mm-hmm. ultimately they're they feel like they're working for their their faves. I think that's a lot of it, right? Like I remember actually years ago when I was gonna apply to a master's degree at McGill in the communications department. Mm-hmm. I wrote like this fake proposal about like online labor through stance. And like mm-hmm. my tea at the time or my take was that like stance essentially just doing work for all these artists. Like you get like an insane amount of free marketing by having a bunch of stands. And I wonder how much of it is like, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but how much of it is like encouraged by the labels themselves. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like a sort of organic marketing. It's like, oh, it's this, this is the fans who are saying it, right? It's not like us. It's not the record label who's like mm. sharing all the shit. It's just stands. Yeah. I know chart data, the account gets like facts fed to it sometimes by labels. It's like DM'd and stuff. So there's like all these ways to kind of kickstart a conversation, I think. Anyway, yeah, it was like a huge moment the other day on Twitter when this Pitchfork reviewer was kind of outed for liking an album. (laughs) For liking it, but not enough. Yeah, not enough. And we've seen this happen like kind of time and time again. Maybe not recently, like something about this was like kind of a throwback, like doxing. It just seems like a little bit 2010s. But it's happened to like like people who have written things about Madonna, or right. like I think it was earlier this year there was a Madonna documentary review, like uh, it was an old it was a new review yeah. of an old by Emma Madden. of an old documentary, yeah, exactly by Emma, 
Madden, also on Pitchfork. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's an old documentary. And she was just saying Madonna comes off spoiled and self-centered. And she got doxxed. Yeah. And I think a lot of what's really funny, and I know, and I feel like I'm allowed to say this because I know, like I follow Emma on Twitter and I feel like I know her writing style is like, she's the kind of person that says that not even as an insult, right? She's the kind of person who like would write Madonna's like child, not child, Madonna's like bratty, but then in her mind, bratty's like, like her expression of bratiness is like an honest expression of human mm-hmm. bratiness or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it's not necessarily like an insult. Because, like, if you're a music writer, you're kind of just, like, describing things and not necessarily, yes, you're going to give, like, some sort of, like, a normative opinion, but also you're just describing things for what they are. It's not loaded, like, stands. Like, she's not a stand, exactly. ultimately. She's a journalist. Yeah. Yeah. And she probably is a Madonna stand at the end of the day, right? Yeah. To write about yeah. that, for sure. I think then that's where, like, the intersection of stand culture and the platform of Twitter comes on. It's, like, that the way that words, like, or, like, sentences are always seen and structured as insults. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, like gay, queer, like LGBT culture to begin with is very read based. Right. Like right, right. every line can be pointed. And in some ways, it's all in good fun, but it's definitely kind of enmeshed with stand culture from top to bottom. Like you can't really separate mm-hmm. those two things. And yeah, like Emma Madden isn't that. Like, she's, like, normal, is what I'm saying. <laughs> she's a friend of the pod. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. She's a friend of the pod. But yeah, no, exactly. She's not, like, she didn't write the review set out to, like, destroy Madonna. Right. And I think you were kind of getting to something, too. With the platform of Twitter, everything's kind of flattened to mean the same thing. Yeah, or everything's just so hostile. Yeah, to have the same tone, exactly. So you have, obviously, politicians and, like, leaders of entire countries kind of throwing daggers on Twitter. And I think it's like impossible for that to not bleed into like a lighter topics as well. Yeah. And then you see like in the past four months, we've had culture moments. We've had insane like depression causing political moments too. And to see like tweets from each kind of bucket side by side, back to back alternating is like <laughs> whiplash. It's like crazy yeah. for one platform to have all those things. I mean, how do you take that in? It's kind of part of why we've had like no opinions in the past four months. We've been like post opinion completely because it's like <laughs> what's left to say. Yeah. But that's the problem with the platform. And it's hard when the platform like then has politics becomes, has become super memefied or memes become, became political. I don't know what the process should be or like which affected which. But the point of it is being like, like stand culture becomes. Like, he weaponizes political discourse in a really weird way. I don't know how to describe it other than, like, bringing in up my own experience. But this was on Tumblr, actually. This Do was it, on Twitter. Yeah. Months ago. It's been so long since we recorded it. It happened months ago. Mm-hmm. I was on Tumblr, and someone posted something about... Oh, someone was like, Beyonce keeps doing this girl boss shit, but because it's Beyonce, no one says anything, right? And I was like, yeah, you're right. Beyonce has been doing girl boss. And if it was anyone else, people would criticize it. So I, like, t- I posted, like... um I was like, Beyonce hasn't done anything interesting in four, in four years. And then, boom, give it like two minutes. It was already like all over Tumblr, people dragging it. But what I found really annoying and was like the framing, like the criticism of my criticism wasn't even like one person said, oh, what about homecoming? Like literally one person said that. 
And then everyone else was being like, it's a, oh, once again, a man in a woman's business. And then like someone made a little chart being like, a man in a woman's business. <laughs> the point of it being like, feminism then gets deployed to defend a billionaire. And I'm mm. not saying that Beyonce has any power over me, even though she obviously does, but that's <laughs> not the point of it. The point of it is like, in this, if you use the same platform, especially Tumblr, Tumblr is like the worst for this kind of shit. Like when you're using the same plan, platform to discuss like, racial inequalities that you use to discuss who your favorite artist is, mm-hmm. then people are obviously going to be like mixing the two discourses mm-hmm. to the point that they think it's like acceptable to tell a random podcaster in a provincial city like Montreal to stop meddling in the business of like a public figure. Beyonce is a public figure. She makes art for it to be consumed and judged. Yeah. Thankfully I don't care about Tumblr, so I didn't care. But if that had happened on Twitter, it would have been so fucking annoying. Like, I would have actually been really pissed. You would have actually had to, like, lock your account, I think. Yeah, yeah. But you have to admit you were being, like, charged in saying that. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you were, like, (laughs) in a way, speaking on behalf of your fave, Lana versus Beyonce, the classic Well, it doesn't have to do much with Lana. No, I know. I'm, like, half kidding. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Next, you're going to do a fan cam, like, your own fan cam of Lana versus Beyonce. Uh. But yeah, I don't know. That's what annoys me nowadays. And I feel this like discourse of uh, dudes staying out of women's business so much online right now. And it's like, I mean, it's fair. Like a guy shouldn't, mm. like in real life, I guess you don't like be in the business of another woman, of a woman, but like, come on, it's a celebrity. It's a celebrity, yeah. So I got dragged on Tumblr, but the point of that was, I feel like it's wholly just doing a disservice to political discourse in general. You're just using an excuse to like support your stand again, like uncritically. Mm-hmm. You're saying you're, you're like your mom or whatever. Your fave, <laughs> your <yeah. mom>. like <laughs> uncritically using like like really charged like terminology just because someone said that Beyonce hasn't done anything interesting in four years, which is probably. I mean, I stand by it. She really hasn't. Yeah, we talk about Beyonce sometimes here, and yeah, my last album that I liked of hers was Four, which was what like ten years ago. Probably less. Oh my god, actually 10, no, like 9. That's crazy. That's a great album. Speaking of mom, let's shift to dad. (laughs) It's not a real segue. I'm about to talk about Charlie Puth. (laughs) 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 Charlie Puth had a comment on Stan Culture last month, or a couple months ago. Do you mind if I read it? Yeah, please. He has like no say in this really, but um, he came into contact with K-pop stands, and I think that kind of overlaps with what we care about. So he said, I don't usually pay any mind to things like this, but something has to be said. This dangerous, toxic, internet screaming match between fandoms has to stop. I'm 28 years old, so it doesn't really mean anything to me when some person I don't know writes a nasty message to me saying things like, I used BTS for clout. And then he says, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what is BTS? What is also, BTS? Not, not him saying something has to be said. And then... Um, This Billboard article about Charlie Puth says, while the controversy seemingly came out of nowhere, it may stem from a radio interview in which Puth expressed an interest in collaborating with BTS. He later performed a duet of his 2016 single, We Don't Talk Anymore, remember that song, with BTS member Jungkook at the 2018 MBC Plus X Genie Music Awards. Okay, I wish I didn't read that, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, no affiliation with BTS whatsoever, but um, he got dragged by K-pop fans because, again, what else are they doing? They have so much time. Everyone's inside. That's all they do. 
But what I think is so funny about K-pop stan is this is like, well, you were saying earlier that you think it worked, but I don't think I've ever listened to a BTS song. Like, I think what works? It makes me aware of their existence. Oh. Like K-pop stands and made me aware of the existence of BTS for sure. Right. Like I wouldn't have known otherwise, but I don't think it convinces me to listen to their music. If anything, I'm like, no. And that's another thing about like stand culture, like listening habits. Like I feel like if I find the fans of someone annoying, mm-hmm. I won't listen to it. Right. If it's always in your face, like why would you tune that in as opposed to tune yeah. it out? And fan cams for the record are like, videos of usually like concert footage compilations of like their favorite artists set to like their latest single or set to like Nicki Minaj good form if if it's a good fan cam yeah it's set to a Nicki Minaj song <laughs> yeah if anything like I'm just so firm in my belief that I'll never like BTS as a genre it's just this like mess of American references that I frankly like super corporatized too yeah like, all pop is corporate, obviously, by definition, but K-pop is just so, like, forced. I mean, it is forced, right? They, like, choose random people random and put people. them on, like, a reality contest or whatever and, mm. and form a group like that. Yeah, and the music is, it just constantly sounds yeah. dated to me. <laughs> it is true, right? Yeah, it's always, like, a little bit dubsteppy. It's always, like, maybe a little bit of guitar sometimes. There's, like, so much going on always. It's maximal, but believe it or not, I don't like it for once. One thing we could mention too, Stan speak kind of like infecting other parts of society. Yeah, I like that tweet of yours. The tweet of mine from earlier this month, I just post like four examples of music industry, like Bible institutions, like, yeah, Pitchfork, MTV, BBC Radio One, Billboard, Hits Daily Double, like all these real industry sources. Mm-hmm. Posting in all caps, posting crying faces of like the One Direction reunion, posting memes about Demi Lovato being engaged, doing fan service essentially, and getting like huge numbers on it. Like this Hits Daily Double post just simply saying Blackpink is releasing a new single this month. First of all, Hits Daily Double is like even more industry focused than Billboard is supposed to be. They both right. are like shifting to more like consumer content, I guess. Mm-hmm. But like you used to have to pay for that website. I think you probably still do. Oh, really? Yeah, it was like fully an industry source. And I mean, actually, Billboard still is an industry source in that way. They just have like essentially a blog too. Yeah, it's, it's funny how like the Billboard chart, I guess it's always been important, but it really just became like a consumer thing when it really was supposed to be like an industry metric, right? Yeah. I mean, for example, this is just barely related, but the Emmy nominations came out yesterday. And, like, obviously, tons of good stuff was nominated. But I just, like, don't see awards mattering ever again. Not at all. Yeah. Like, there's been, like, a shift of culture. And, like, people are going to like what they like. And people are so sick of, like, begging awards to represent what they want that I just... Mm -hmm. I don't think now people have the energy to beg for that. And I don't think anyone cares. Plus, TV's dead. Plus, TV's dead. But also the thing about your tweet, and also, like, kind of reflects on the Emmy shit is that so much of these cultural institutions are finding that they have no relevance. Like their voice is like not really mm. resonating with people. So what they do is they turn to like, they go on Twitter, they ask their gay intern what people are saying. Mm-hmm. And that's how brands end up tweeting like Yas Queen or like Outsold and shit like that, because there's no real cultural institutions are not hiring people with unique voices. They're just hiring people to refract or reflect the voices mm-hmm 
that are happening online and just basically, basically selling fans their own content, not really producing their own voice, not really like saying anything interesting, just like, yeah, reflecting what people are saying online. And I think some of it has to do with the fact that there's no creativity happening. Hmm. Like, I think music actually is weirdly like one of the few places in culture where there's actually fun stuff happening. Like TV's dead. Film has been so boring recently, I feel like. Music still has something interesting, but then music criticism or like music publications are so boring. Mm -hmm. But what I find really annoying is that then it's usually also comes from like a fear of being canceled or whatever. Like, and this is more the award shit, not so much like your tweet, but the award shit, like cultural institutions are becoming so scared of like angering people because like backlash, online backlash has become such a thing that they just like choose things that they think are going to like, people are going to like. But then they don't realize that people are always like a step ahead. Consumers are always going to be not in tune with whatever pro cultural producers are making. So they just have to do whatever they think is good. Mm -hmm. Like foster unique voices, foster actually interesting people. And then that's what's going to work. Yeah. But it's, it's yeah. I mean, even when they do, even when awards panels like do choose, quote, diverse voices, it's always like the content that applies broadly. Like it's always like Kendrick mm -hmm. Lamar. Anderson Pack at best, right? Like yeah. when when Tyler the Creator wins something, it's like a little bit rarer, but still, it's all kind of it's all kind of like applicable to white panels, is I guess yeah, what I'm totally. trying to say. So I think it's over. Like I think kind of culture died in the past few months, and Literally. and yeah, music can still be fun, but. We saw the Chromatica album happen, the Lady Gaga album happen at literally what must be one of the worst moments in history for a yep. bad pop album to drop. Yeah, well, that's the real take there, the bad part of it. It reminds me of that classic gif of 9-11 where the camera kind of pans to this bus billboard of Glitter by Mariah Carey and then pans up to the towers on fire. It was a similar vibe. I honestly have to say that I was like maybe pleasantly surprised by how restrained Gaga stands were. I think they knew that if they weren't restrained, they would have been like over for Gaga herself. Because like the weekend of when everything was going down, like the stands really just like quieted down. You're they right. were like, okay, I guess it's not the time to tweet yeah. Gaga shit. Yeah. And I mean, that album to me, I think is over. I don't think like there's any future for it. It's like tied to that weekend forever kind of. And it just says nothing, really. It's like the biggest sin of that album. And also, that's interesting, though, that you think that about that album. I like it, but the album is very much fan service. Hmm. But like, I don't think, do fans really like it that much? I don't think they do. I think there are some songs. I don't, I don't think they do, no. But in terms of like, she just did this album because her fans kept begging her, her fans mm. kept begging her, probably on her Twitter being like, hey, we want like dance Gaga back or whatever. Like, I like the album, but I think you're right in saying that it's, like, it's boring. It's not, like, any interest, like an interesting album. And I think it's because she wasn't really doing what, like, Gaga's almost 40. I don't know, actually. Gaga's, oh, Gaga's older, let's say. Mm -hmm. She just won an Oscar. She's doing, like, serious, quote-unquote, serious music. I feel like her heart is not in Chromatica. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't have a Chromatica passport. It's not what her mind or artistic presence is at, mm -hmm. right? Because everyone in culture, I'm assuming her label too, are so scared of fans nowadays. They were like, you know what? They want this, you do it. Yeah, she's sur like surrounded by her fans on Twitter, like we said earlier. Yeah. But she's also balancing these sort of grander pursuits. What's it called? An EGOT? Yeah, she like is going to get an EGOT, basically. She wants to EGOT, yeah, exactly, yeah. 
And in a way, I feel like chromatic is like a detour from that. I think so, yeah. She's not going to, yeah, because to Ego, she needs to keep harvesting that like sort of serious artist image that she had done from Star is Born. Cheek to cheek type thing. No, this is really stupid, but like the fan service shit is all over culture to the point that, I mean, I don't watch these movies, but I've heard that the last Star Wars was the same shit. Mm. Like all the crazy, those are real crazy stands. Star Wars stands, you're right. Like the nerds were like so mad at The Last Jedi, I think it was called, that the one after that was just like, the script was entirely written to like deliver moments where like the fans would be like, oh yeah, let's go off. Yeah, squeeze. Totally moment-based. Never watched it though, so I don't know. I mean, me neither, but a bunch of them were on TV recently. Like all of the sort of past era of them. I don't really know how to talk about Star Wars, but like with (laughs) with Hayden Christensen. The gay jump. Yeah. And Hayden Christensen, like, wow. Let's not forget about Hayden Christensen. Let's not, actually, yeah. Let's just not. I feel like he's Canadian. He is. Anyway, radio silence. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Good for him, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so... Listen, we're almost done here. I'm fact-checking. He is Canadian. Thank you. I just want to mention kind of something that ties all of this trash together. And that's when one of my favorite YouTubers, AJ2, who kind of reviews and reacts to new albums live as they come out, she posted a review of Chromatica the day after it came out, the Saturday. So, like, protests had gone off the night before. She's black, which is worth noting. And she... To be honest, I've never seen her more bored at an album. Like, you could see the light kind of drain from her eyes whenever the song dropped. Her whole thing is being, like, extra, right? Or, like, having a lot of energy. Being extra and, like, not performing the joy of listening to music, but, like, really... Kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Just kind of being true and, like, going off when she likes something. And when she doesn't like something, she'll say... I need to give this one time, you know? Like, it is, at the end of the day, fan service. And what we saw with Chromatica was she really didn't like it. I mean, she didn't hate it because she would just say, I need more time with this song if she didn't like it. But ultimately, she only liked four songs. They were, I have them written down, they were Free Woman, Sour Candy, Replay, and Babylon. Like, that's taste to me. Those are good songs. I don't like Free Woman, but... Okay, fair. But it's like, it's a very low percentage of the total songs on the album, right? Yeah. So she kind of got like taken down a notch that weekend because two days later she posted a revisiting Chromatica follow-up video in which she loved every single song. That's crazy. I wonder why. I wonder why. Do you think why. that's to do with like the crazy fans, the Gaga fans who went after her? Yeah. I remember seeing that. Yeah. So I've never, I've never seen that happen before. I've never seen, to be honest, like white gay guys um, punish a black creator to the point where they had to kind of redo history and rewrite it. Right. I'm sure it's happened. <laughs> I mean, how could it not have happened? Yeah, but yeah, right. it's been the most obvious case. And she had to like explain it. She had to be like, it was a bad weekend for me. Like, I wasn't in the mood to listen to this kind of music. It was a bad, it was just a bad time. But yeah, honestly, totally. like, she didn't have to do that. She didn't have to explain that she didn't like a middling pop album yeah. because of political events. Like, that's so sad to me. Yeah, that's, that's pretty sad. And that just like shows like people just like don't have any nuance when it comes to their faves. Everything's an attack, right? If it's not praise. Yeah, exactly. That's a takeaway from this episode, I feel like. Realizing that nowadays there's like no nuance when Mm -hmm. it comes to like fans appreciating things. Yeah, definitely. Okay, are we... That's pretty much it, I think. Do you want to like talk about the last 
few months. Like, what have what have you been up to? I mean, you do have news. Do I? It feels like old news now, but to be honest, it's not that you finished your thesis. Oh, and, yeah. Like, kind of slate it. Yeah, I finished a month ago, and then I got my feedback yesterday. My Amazing. prof was really, my, my prof was standing. Yeah, she called it a rigorous thesis. Uh, yeah, she did. She's a King rigorous, of rigorous theses. Mm-hmm. Rigorous pussy. <laughs> and she was like, it was pretty good. I mean, now I have to do a bunch of changes in it. Can you remind me what your thesis was on? And well, in fact, the listener? I don't want to talk about that. Movies and <laughs> periods. <laughs> like triggered by that. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's about movies and like unproductive workers. So like movies where like there's like slackers. a worker who's like, yeah, essentially. No, I didn't use the movie slackers, but essentially like slackers in movies. And then I wrote about Chaplin, starting from Chaplin and ending in like that Bjork movie, um, Dancer in the Dark. Where she like goes nuts in the factory and starts like dancing around, and then that's like when the reviewer was like, "Um, you failed to address the fact that Lars Fincher is a sexist," oh, which wow. is true. It is on me for not having like a little bit, but I've been mostly working. To be honest, you are a genius, and congratulations. Einstein is my middle name. Yeah, Weinstein. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> I mean like Harvey you Weinstein. were struggling. You were like having a shit summer. I so know. I'm glad. I can't. Oh, yeah. ima- I can't believe you did that all in 2020. You know, it's just cool that you finished it, and it's like not even an annoying thesis. It sounds like it's, you like provided commentary that I would even read. You know, <laughs> you should sell it to like New York Times or something. Not New York Times, sorry, New York Magazine. <laughs> Her main feedback was like she was like, "Oh, I can't believe you did this during COVID." That was like the main thing. She kept mm. repeating that every paragraph, and be like, "Wow, she does stand, doesn't she?" Yeah, I think so. But I've been working since. My life has been so fucking boring. I hate work. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I've been hearing all about it. Literally every morning I wake up. It is really hard to wake up, I have to be honest. You're like a professional podcast editor now. I've been editing like up to 10 episodes a week for other people. That's a whack. It's really a lot, yeah. And um, generally they're like entrepreneurship, coding, like female entrepreneurship. <laughs> What's the worst episode you've had to edit? I mean, they're all bad in their own way. Yeah. Sometimes the coding ones get, well, sometimes they're vaguely interesting, but other times they're using words that I've literally never heard in my life. Yeah. But then this one entrepreneurship podcast, uh, will I say the title? It's called Six Figure Freelancer, which I just think is like an evil energy to put into the world. But anyway, <laughs> it's about this woman who has a agency and I'm saying it like it's a story. It is a real thing that happened. She has an agency. <laughs> and like in the last episode I edited, she was talking about how we have to manifest our income goals. And it was like very straight-faced and like honestly very personable and like charismatic. So I was like, you know what, Juan? We should manifest our income goals low-key. <laughs> low-key. Yes, we should low-key yes. manifest. <laughs> it's so funny because rich people like that really just don't get any new advice that's essentially no. they've been saying since like the secret, you know. <laughs> the like, secret and what's that other one? Like rich dad, poor dad. It's about just manifesting. It's almost religious. It literally sounds like a fucking Catholicism. Like, oh, you have an issue? Well, just well, pray. It's, it's BS. Yeah, totally. It's just to like keep us on the lower floor, basically, of their condo. Either way, my boss makes a dollar and I make a dime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a classic this saying. Is, this is where the podcast turns Marxist. Okay. Well, good to talk. Yeah, nice to talk to you. We'll catch you next time. Stop standing. Like, 
Yeah, yeah, that's the just maybe like focus on yourself. Yeah, I don't know, just advice, just an advice podcast thing. Yeah, I'm I'm saying this, and I'm gonna probably go tweet like, "Yes, go offline or something." Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we're the problem. We are the problem. We are the stance that we criticize when you really think about it. Yeah, I think that's the subtext here, which is why we're allowed to criticize stance because we've been. We've had a lobotomy. We've been infected mm-hmm. with a disease. We have the virus. So we know the symptoms. And we've been spreading the virus for a full year. <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> Super spreaders. So thanks for joining us in the full year. Yeah, thanks for listening. Get in touch and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Sign from above. I'm going to need more time with it. <laughs>